0: Everyone, welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey,
1: everybody! It's Kat. And I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt.
0: Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you?
1: Well, this is an exciting episode, um, especially because I like so many of the songs that uh, our guest has written.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's a lot, definitely a lot of good ones.
1: I mean... You know, I focus mostly on the sappier side of music. Um, No. (laughs) I know, it's a surprise to everyone, but, um, you know, he's written, well, yes, yes, you would not know that had I not revealed it to you on this near to um, the next to the last episode of the season.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I should have said, "Are you sitting down?" before I broke that news. But
2: That's true. you know, yeah.
1: it's, secrets out. So, um, but I mean, he has so many good songs um, besides the sappy one. and um, it's just amazing the the career that he's had.
2: Um, yeah, definitely.
1: I can't can't imagine being able to write all those songs. But, you know, he's also very talented uh, as far as singing. Um, You know, he has a really nice voice, too. So um, that's uh, something you don't always see, that uh, people that write songs, you know, also um, have the talent to sing them. Well, I Uh,
0: I guess it makes it easier when you're trying to pitch your ideas.
1: Yeah, for sure, because (laughs) I can imagine, like, uh, you have a really great song and you can't sing.
2: Right, that's
1: what
0: (laughs) would happen to me, you know. I could write a good song, but wouldn't be able to sing it because I sound like, I don't know.
1: Well, although that isn't true because you were in choir. um,
0: Yeah, I was six or
1: eight whatever it was well uh your voice i still hear you from time to time so i know that isn't completely true the way that you are i mean some people really yeah, uh, I, I you understand. probably heard them are just like i mean they just don't have pitches that are pleasant to right, hear right, yeah. um so it would be really bad if, if you i guess you know, songwriters probably, what do they do, like get someone else to pitch it for them? I mean, I don't know. Um, I, think, I think a lot of them, uh,
0: they, you know, if they're pitching a song, they probably record it and then send a demo and, you know, of them singing. Or maybe they get somebody else to uh, play on the demo with them or whatever, or maybe harmonize or whatever. Depends on the song, I guess.
1: Well, you know, if you get a rap song, like you write one, I'll be happy to, you know. Right, yeah. Pitch it for you. I sure. mean, just, just saying. Um, yeah, so
0: maybe before, like, uh, <laughs> you know, your rap <laughs> career takes off, we can uh, introduce this guest.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to save something for that final episode next week. So... Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Well, all right, we we might be... Uh, Might be hearing a rap song uh, written by you and performed by me. Uh,
0: (laughs) Chances are that unlikely, but, you
1: know. (laughs) Well, you know, again, I am so excited to hear some of the backstories of this amazing performer and songwriter. And so our guest today is Frank Myers, and you're going to be so amazed that. Uh, the songs that he's written, the career that he's had. So, um, Frank, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. We're so happy that you're our guest today.
3: Hey, Cat and Matt, great to be here.
1: Well, you know i I love your music, so I have to say, not you know, not everyone that we interview am I a fan of the music? But, you know, of the backstories, I'm interested in everyone's well, backstory. But well, you know,
3: where, where, where would the world be without sappy love songs, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> Matt, I hope you're listening to this, because I'm trying to tell him that all the time. <laughs> um, you know, this is, a, this is like the music that makes the world go round to me. And uh, I think it's so relatable, you know, because everyone has those connections of love and then heartbreak and missing someone and all of that so that's what I find your music to be very relatable
3: well I just want to I just want to set the record straight I write probably well I used to write because I don't write all the time anymore but when I was writing all the time I wrote mainly up-tempo songs and I've had a lot of up hits, like with Eddie Raven when I worked with him and that kind of thing. It's just that my biggest hits have been my sappy love songs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I thought so. And
1: you see, that's like the universe telling you, you know, those are the ones. <laughs> Um, but I, so I guess, um, you know, my first question when I'm thinking when I first found you were going to be a guest is I was wondering, like, are you a romantic at heart? Is that like the, the kind of person you are outside of writing?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I would have to say that I am a romantic. Um, but like I said, you know, uh, probably... Seventy-five percent of my songs are up-tempo songs, um, but yes, I am a romantic. So,
1: do you find the inspiration for the songs um, that you write? Um, you know, do they come from real life experiences, or wh- where do you get your inspiration when you're writing?
3: Well, s- some are from real life inspiration, and some are just from. Titles that, you know, when you hear um, a certain phrase or something, it just sparks something inside, you know, that and you draw from your own life experiences or from others' experiences or from a movie you watched or a book you read, you know, they come from different things. Uh, You know, I, I, I believe that my biggest things have all come from from God. Uh, I believe that it's divine in, uh, intervention with me that um, that has brought these songs to life, you know. Uh, sure. Because well, when I when I'm inspired, you know, with a song, it it really comes easy.
1: So I, I was gonna ask that: um, is it something that just like when you get that idea? Then it just flows, and you know that this is this is gonna be a song. Like you don't have to sit and struggle with it; it just comes to you. That yeah, this is this is you know this is my so idea.
3: When you when you start it, it, it comes easy like that. And usually the lyric and the melody kind of comes simultaneously. Although I have put music to other people's lyrics and that kind of thing, um, but. And I've also written lyrics to tracks uh, that other people have given me. Sure. But um, yeah, you know, when I s- start something, uh, normally it, I, I get the title and I usually write the chorus first. Uh, the melody and lyric will start coming together. And that comes fairly easy. Um, and the hard part is. Uh, the discipline of rewriting, going back and looking at it and trying to make it better, you know, coming up with something that's better than your initial thoughts, which sometimes that don't happen because sometimes your initial thoughts is what it is. But, um, I believe that as a songwriter, uh, if you're going to spend the time on something to write, then get away from it and then come back to it later and make sure that it's As good as you can make it.
1: So you grew up in Ohio. Is that that correct? Dayton, Ohio. All right. So um, did you had a musical family? I think I read your dad was was very gifted.
3: Oh yeah, he was a uh, champion fiddle player and guitar player and singer. He kind of had a voice like Jim Reeves. Uh, My grandmother was a great banjo player. Uh, she played, uh, uh, grandpa Jones style, you know, claw style. Um, and then my uncles, and um, the whole family, my dad had 11 brothers and sisters. So just about all of them played and sang, Wow, or at least half of them. And, um, and my brother plays guitar and sings. My sisters sing. So, there was a lot of music going on at uh, our house.
1: So, what were some of your favorite memories uh, of early music influences?
3: Well, uh, my earliest influences were the things that my dad played, you know, and my sister. because She was seven years older than me. Um, Buck Owens, uh George Jones, um, Jim Reeves, uh, a lot of the older stuff that my dad listened to. And then my s- sister got me into Motown because she loved the Supremes and all of that. Sure. And, um, and then, of course, you know, I, I remember watching Ed Sullivan and watching the Beatles first time they came on and Elvis and, Rolling Stones and so many. Um, It was such a great time to grow up in in the music business because there was such great music being made in all kinds of different styles and genres. And you know, the British Invasion, Motown, LA. uh, uh, You know, Buck Owens. They started that uh, California country music style and Bakersfield country and. So
1: much. So when did you um, start playing an instrument or getting into music?
3: I started p- learning how to play guitar when I was nine. And I've been playing ever since. And, uh, you know, pretty much always knew my whole life what I was going to do. Uh, although, you know, I did do other jobs Obviously, you can make money, Sorry. Sure. They, they—they never lasted very long because I was always playing music.
1: So, um, did you teach yourself to play guitar? Did you take lessons?
3: I taught myself. Self-taught. My, my dad and my brother showed me a couple chords, and that was about it. And everything else I learned by sitting with, my, uh, with my little record player and playing forty-five records, and. Uh, Learning how to play them.
1: Yeah, you know, my dad taught me a couple chords too, and uh, on the guitar, and I got some blisters, and that was the end of guitar for me. So um, (laughs) I moved on to piano. (laughs) That, yeah. uh, You know, I admire people that hang in there through the. I guess it gets easier after your fingers. Well, you know, I guess
3: since I started so young, I really don't remember that. Yeah. Um but you know, I've had calluses on my fingers all my life.
1: Well. I mean, so did you play any other instruments or did you know the guitar was that was just the one you were drawn to? I
3: actually played drums. Um I was never a drummer in a band per se. I would sit in and play drums sometimes cuz I just like playing uh, i actually played drums in the marching band in high school my uh, from sophomore year on and i actually played was the first person maybe the only person that ever played a full drum kit out on the football field at halftime i played a chicago song called call on me and i played a drum set and um then i played you know drums in the uh and the other bands as well. And then I played guitar in the jazz band. So, uh, of course, I can play bass. I learned how to play a little banjo. I you know, have my grandmother's banjo. But I don't do um, guitars, in my instrument. So, I, I don't really mess with the other stuff.
1: And so, you, you said that um, you always knew this was going to be the career path for you, a uh, music of some kind.
3: Yeah, I did. I mean, there were, there were, there was a moment where I thought it might be cool to get into TV. And I thought being a cameraman was a cool thing. I remember I wanted to do that at one time and maybe be a DJ because I was a DJ in our 10 Watt FM radio station at high school. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, when I was doing all of this, I was always playing music. So, I kind of knew that's where I was, where I was going to end up. I just did some other things just to know how to do them. And in case I needed to do them.
1: Sure. And so I, you enter a local, uh, I guess it's like a talent contest star trail. Uh, huh. And, uh, do you remember what you sang or performed in that?
3: I do. Um, the first, uh, you had to win three times to become a Star Trail star. And um, I remember I won my, and it was a show, one show a month. And I won my first first three shows along with two other guys that I'd won too. And uh, the first song that I played was, uh, it was, well, it was either Don't Be Angry or White Lightning.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: And so I, 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 I ended really up. Well. I did both of those. I don't remember what my third song would have was, but I know I did "White Lightning" and "Don't Be Angry." So, of course, "White Lightning" is George Jones, and "Don't Be Angry" was Stonewall Jackson's song.
1: And, and so you ended up winning this. Yes okay and so what what did you get if you if you won
3: you just got uh you got a plaque okay that's I, I got three plaques and each plaque got bigger <laughs> uh,
1: wow. so that's pretty motivational and is this in dayton um
3: that was years ago i mean that only lasted a year or two that show
1: well, it's still a cool idea. Did you it was, the wax?
3: Uh, um, I don't know if I still have them or not. Truthfully, they, they may be in my storage room. <laughs> right. But I'm, I'm. I haven't. I haven't seen them in a long time, so uh, I probably don't have them.
1: Well, I'm sure at the time it was rather cool to keep getting those plaques and bigger ones. Oh,
3: oh, it was. I was a Star Trail star in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so how old were you um, when eleven you were this Star Trail star? I was 11. 11 years old. Wow. And, and
3: I turned 12.
1: What did your classmates During
3: the process.
1: You know, that must be a pretty big deal to your classmates. Um,
3: Well, they they never really knew about it. uh, I kept it to myself. Really? Uh Uh-huh. They uh, knew that I played and stuff. And they really um, didn't really get it until I was on the Porter Wagner show when I was 14. But they all made fun of me because they didn't like country music. They they used to call me Porter. It <laughs> goes <laughs> Porter.
1: All right. So how does that happen? So that you get to be on Porter Wagner's show?
3: Well, I met a guy named Bob Cox who lived in Nashville and and um, was a, a manager and and uh, he was actually managing some kids my age, and they had a TV show uh, in Nashville called Young Country. And it was all, you know, kids my age. And uh, I went down and did the show and met him, and and uh, he got me uh, spot on the Porter Wagner show because um, they did a show uh, on the Porter Wagner show, and they called it Stars of Young Country which was the TV show in Nashville that he was doing. So I got to be a part of that. It was me and two other kids.
1: And so what was that like for you as far as motivating you? or? Um...
3: Well, I mean, I had already done shows with Porter Wagner and Dolly Parton and George Jones and Tammy Wynette and Buck Owens and, and some big stars like that in Dayton, Ohio at uh, Memorial Hall. Um, I, my parents met the promoter of those shows. I don't remember how, but, uh, and I was able to come on and I would get to go out and do one song, um, before they came out.
1: Did you get to meet them? Um,
3: yeah, I got pictures with them and, and uh, I used to do these, they used to have these shows. They were FOP shows and other shows, uh. They were called package shows, and they would have them like at Harrow Arena and Dayton and different places, or Louisville and other places. And they would have, uh, like, I don't know, five or six Grand Ole Opry stars. And then I would get to open those shows. And then I used to work with this girl named Kathy Tester, and we were a little duo for a while, and we did a lot of that together as well. But as a matter of fact, when I was 14 uh, at a Hair Arena, one of those shows, I got to meet and get my picture taken with Crystal Gale, who was 21, and I was 14.
1: Yeah.
3: Not knowing what was uh, lying ahead for us in the future together.
1: Yeah. That is ironic.
3: Mm hmm. <clears throat> So I have all those pictures and things. I've I've posted some on Facebook occasionally. People can check my Facebook out, Frank Myers Music. Uh, Come, come, friend me or like me or whatever you do. (laughs) (laughs) You can actually friend me on my personal page too, just Frank Myers, because a lot. I mean, it's pretty intertwined anyway. Um, Awesome. Of course, I have my website, Frank Myers Music, and my Instagram and. Uh, Frank Myers music and Spotify. I, I would love for for uh, people to come and uh, follow me on Spotify and and my YouTube channel. And You're just need some, some more place. followers. <laughs> need some more followers out there. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm Well, I will definitely that. be. <laughs>
1: I'll be one of them. I'm gonna. Oh. I will definitely um, be following. Uh-huh. Uh, so this irony, because this kind of leads into this uh, first sappiness that mm-hmm. uh, you know. So you you met Crystal Gale, uh-huh. and then you you write this song, uh, just you and I, or, or you and
3: ten, I. Ten, ten uh, years later,
1: right? And it's so it's a duet with uh, Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, I, I heard that you wrote the song for your wife. I did. So, so yeah. um, you know, tell us the backstory of that. Like what about her inspired this and um how did you Well it
3: was almost like, it was almost um, it was almost a challenge as opposed to inspiration. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't you know, I I didn't write a lot before I went to Nashville. I mean I had put some music to lyrics and some things like that but i wasn't really considered myself a songwriter i was i was a guitar player and a singer and entertainer and that's what i went to nashville to be but um when i started to work i moved to to nashville in april of 81 and got the job playing lead guitar for eddie raven who's a great singer songwriter um in july of 81 and we hit it off immediately and i I paid him a few of the the songs that I had put music to, and he liked my melodies and all that. And So we ended up writing right away. Uh, We uh, met Tanya Tucker. Uh, We we did a show with Tanya Tucker in New Orleans, and she wanted Eddie to co-write a song with her called Changes. So she gave Eddie the idea, and we ended up, we had just put the band together, and we ended up up in Moorhead, Minnesota, right on the other side of Fargo, North Dakota, for a week, <laughs> playing there, and uh, so we—it was really a rehearsal for the band, uh, just to get the band tighter and learn more songs and things. While we were there, Eddie and I uh, got together and wrote the song "Changes," and then of course we sent it to Tanya, and she wanted to change a few things, and we did. She did, and, and they ended up recording the song with the person that produced that was David Malloy who produced Eddie Rabbit and that's how I met David and he loved that song and he said if you have anything for uh, Eddie we're going to be cutting next year we got about six months so think of something bring it over I didn't really have anything uh, but there was a line in the song that changes song that when we were together it was right we had it all you and I and for some reason you and I stuck out to me as a title and I wrote it down well I was uh, um, trying to write a song one day. We, we lived in this little apartment. We had one car. And uh, I had to work second shift, and I'd take her to work. So I'm sitting in the living room with my guitar just trying to write or get something started, you know, because we'd got that cut with Tanya, and, and I was writing with Eddie, and so I was really getting into the songwriting. And she came in and she said, what are you doing? And I said, uh, i trying to write a song. She said, well, what kind of song? I said, a country song, honey. We're in Nashville now. We know how <laughs> no more. <you> know. <laughs> and she said, for some, for some reason, she said, well, I've been working out real good for you. And I said, what are you talking about? We just got this tanya cat and everything. and Of course, you know, there's no money coming in. Hmm. Uh, because it takes, after a song is released, it takes nine months to ever see any money from it. But um, she said, Well, you know, I know you're trying to write a country song. She said, Why don't you write a Milano Ricci type song? Oh. And I looked at my watch and I said, Ain't it about time for me to take you to work? <laughs> <laughs> so she threw the gauntlet down and I took her to work and came home. And, you know, Eddie wasn't working a lot, so we weren't making a lot of money because he was a new artist, okay? So he uh, had, uh, you know, just a few jobs here and there. But So she was concerned about the money coming in, and she was paying the bills and all that, and I kept telling her, we'll be all right. Aw. Let me see here. So... I'm being distracted. I got to apologize because the people that I'm here with are, keep texting me. No. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, I, I, went, I came home and I got my guitar and, I, and this melody started coming to my head and uh, I thought of that title, You and I, and I wrote the song and uh, picked her up that night and played it for and she got teary-eyed and that's kind of how that song was written and i took it over to to them and i actually never never even played it for david i played it for his dad jim so well
1: i I certainly i I could see why she'd be teary-eyed and um you know so what's it like um after it was recorded by Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale, you know, every time... Well,
3: that- it, it wasn't written as a duet. Okay. So here's the rest of the story. They cut the song, and David called me and said, hey, Frank, we cut the song, and it's great. But we thought it was short, so uh, we, we took the first verse and copied it over and, and put it in the second verse and took the original second verse and made it a third verse. Can you write another verse? I said, sure, I guess. let me try. And uh, so I wrote about three verses and he didn't like any of them. <laughs> well in, in the meantime, Eddie had sent the, had sent the, uh, the rough mix of the song to Crystal because he asked her to come sing on it. And, uh, and he said, just listen to it and see if you get any ideas or whatever. So she was the one that started answering in the, the second verse because it was the same as the first verse. Wow. No, not knowing that I was trying to write a second verse, and so when she came to put a harmony on it, she started doing that, and David said, "That's it. That's how we'll do it." So that's why the the second verse is the same as the first. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So and and a song that wasn't written as a duet became a duet. That's
1: awesome. Story. Well, and now your wife. I mean, I'm sure like hearing that and. Um, knowing it's about her or you know that's like a, a really special feeling i imagine not everyone could say that so um i think that's a great backstory and even how it came to be a duet i, I had no idea that it didn't start out to be one yeah
3: I'm nobody just... doesn't try to tell the story i'm, I'm, just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious
0: about something um so, you know, that song has been played, like, 80 billion times over the years. Uh, do you, like, I mean, do you get tired of hearing it, or, like... It, like? Um, no. Okay. Does, does your I wife, really don't. Does your wife, like, roll her eyes when it comes on or something? <laughs> I no,
3: know. I mean, it's a, it's a very special song.
0: Okay, cool. I, I'm just curious, because, you know, some artists, like, they... They say things like, oh, you know, that was a great song, but I don't, I never want to hear it again kind of thing.
3: Well, you know, a lot of, a lot of times uh, they may say that because they didn't write it, number one. Ah, And number, number, number two, because they have to sing it every night. Yeah. yeah. So, (laughs) you know, but you know what? I've never grown tired of any of them that I, big hits that I sing. Uh, every time I perform because I get to see how the crowd reacts I, you know, I get the feedback from them and I, I hear how certain songs have affected their lives right. uh, and that kind of thing. And that's really uh, what means the most to me as a songwriter
2: cool.
3: is how uh, something that I came up with touched somebody's life. They used it in their wedding or they used it for whatever. Um, it's awesome.
1: Well, I'm sure that song has been used at weddings uh, on top of weddings because <laughs> I've heard it at several myself. so uh, you know, that's it's a great. I think it's a great song to commemorate. Yeah, they
3: they they call me the wedding songwriter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, if you could have been like the Adam Sandler movie that could have been exactly singer, that could have been you, only the songwriter.
3: That's exactly I, right.
1: <laughs> so you um, you leave working with Eddie Raven and you play for Marie Osmond for a while.
3: Yep, I I worked with Eddie for nine years, and uh, there again, every song that came out with Eddie was an up-tempo song, just so you know. <laughs> I got Not I sorry. got Mexico. <laughs> I got Mexico. Sometimes a lady, you should have been gone by now. Bye, you boys. You're never too old for young love. All of those, up-tempo. Awesome. And uh, they were all, I got Mexico. I got Mexico was a big number one hit for Eddie. It was his first number one as an artist. And um it's been done a few times, uh different versions. Uh and then the other songs were all top five hits. Wow. As well. And then I wrote What Say You, which was a top twenty hit for uh Travis Tritt and John Mellon Camp, Up Tempo. Mm. Uh Front Porch Looking In, Up Tempo. Yeah. I remember <laughs> that one. Anyway, yeah.
1: Then we, uh, you know, we get to, so you you play with Murray Osmond for for a bit, and then four years. Okay, and then you get your. I think it's the... Is it the first number one with Gary um, Baker um, co-writing "Once Upon a Lifetime" for Alabama?
3: Um. Yep.
1: Is that is that the first true?
3: Now, Gary, I met Gary in the 80s. He was in a band called The Shooters when I was playing with Eddie. And uh, his publisher hooked me up with him when we started writing. And I got a couple Shooters cuts. And uh, he and I wrote one or two things that Eddie cut. Um, But our biggest hits came in the 90s. And we, we wrote Once Upon a Lifetime on one of Marie Osmond's buses. It actually, it actually started riding bikes in a, in a town somewhere. We used to take bikes out on the road. and Because we would get to a place like 4 or 5 in the morning and go into the hotel. And, and then we'd get up and eat a bite. And then a lot of times just check out the town by riding bikes and getting exercise. And it actually started uh, on a bike. And then we finished it in the bus. Wow.
1: So what was the co-writing like? What's it like to write with someone?
3: Well, there has to be someone leading the way. Uh, Someone, it it always works best for me if I have an idea that I've already started where I kind of have a handle on where I want it to go or vice versa, if someone brings in an idea. Where they already kind of have a handle on where it wants to go you just you uh you spend less time trying to figure out number one okay what title are we going to write what are we going to write about how, how are we going to approach this if you already got something going that's that's, that's kind of how you do a little bit of homework when you know you're writing with somebody you know yeah. and um so a, a lot of the, the songs that i've written and the majority of them, I already had started. Uh, and then we finished it.
1: So it was Once Upon a Lifetime. Um, who had that idea? It was mine. Okay.
3: It was mine. And truthfully, I was r- writing it. <laughs> the idea came because Gary was going through a divorce. So I was kind of writing that for him and with him at the same time. Wow. Um, Like the bridge where it goes with you're taking chances, know the chance you take. Broken hearts, broken hearts, a high price to pay. Foolish ways make fools of the wise. The best things seldom come along twice. That was for him, especially.
1: So um, how, I, I guess in that way, since you're writing that for someone and then they're, they're absorbing that message, but they've got that unique perspective because it is for them. Um, I, I could see how that produces song. Like now that I start thinking of the lyrics uh-huh. Um, really, an incredible backstory too. But um, you know, most songs yeah. do have a very interesting um, story behind them. But but I find that very interesting.
3: Well, I, I pretty much led the way on that song because it it was a very emotional thing for him. Sure. Know? Did
0: did you and, did, did you tell him that that part of the song was about him, or was
3: it just? Like... Oh, he knew. Oh, okay. He knew. Okay. He knew. Because I talked to him a lot about what he was going through, right? And it was probably in one of our conversations, I probably said something about you know, right? You know, sometimes the best things only come along once or something. I probably said something that spawned the idea of "Once Upon a Lifetime." You know, uh, yeah. I don't remember how I got the title, but it was through our conversations about what he was going through. And I didn't want him to make a big mistake. Yeah. Which uh he ended up um divorcing and remarrying and have a he has a beautiful family. Awesome.
1: So uh, I wonder like And they're all still that.
3: friends too, like the they're friends with the ex wife and she's remarried and all that kind of stuff. So everything worked out great, but you know sometimes it, it can be the worst mistake you ever made and I just wanted to get that message through to him.
1: So do you get comments um, from fans about this song about other people going through divorce?
3: No, no I've never I've never had any comments from fans about that song other than they you know a lot they like it you know or they love it, whatever. But I've never had a conversation about. No one's ever said without well, I was going through a divorce or whatever, and that song helped me out, or it was nothing like that. Yeah, it's always it's just always you know, love that song.
1: Right, and, and it is a beautiful. Well, but
3: a lot of a lot of people, you know, when it comes to those kinds of things, there's those those are very personal things, and they might not. I mean, I'm a stranger to them anyway, so they. Probably wouldn't talk about it anyhow.
1: Well, I'm thinking this next one that I'm going to mention uh, for Lone Star. um, I'm already there. Quite a sappy song. Um, So I imagine there are lots of stories that have been told about this one. Um, You know, because there's so many so many situations where someone could be missing someone. Um, You know, that's
3: where the, the, that's where the song came from. You know, Richie called home. It's a true story. Okay. He called home. He talked to his wife and his kids and he got homesick and he started that, that song. And I was one, that he had started that he brought me and Gary in on. So, um, yeah. And uh, all of us being on the road, you know we obviously miss our families when we're gone i mean i missed so many baseball games and things uh, it was crazy because i was always on the weekends and that's when they played so <clears throat> it, it's very personal and it's for anybody who travels sure. yeah you know, that related to that song and um I remember when uh, Lone Star played it on the on an RCA show during uh, CRS week in Nashville the peep, the the, uh, the radio people in the room half the room got up after they got done with the song and had to walk outside and call home
1: <laughs> Sure I mean I can see that because it has such an emotional Impact and message for you um, when you are on
3: someone and and, then you
1: hear it in that way. I I, I can see that.
3: And then after it was number one for seven weeks, the uh, military uh, kind of picked it up. And we have binders, we have binders three inches thick of emails from military families on what that song means to them. Sure.
1: And it's, I mean, so I think that's the beauty of music and, and of what I said when we began this, of the connections to your music, um, you know, that so many people can feel something that they're already feeling through your song, through your music. And I, I think when that I'm already there is a, a great example of that. So, well, I
3: mean, yeah. when we were writing the song, I thought of my dad who had, been dead for over 10 years uh, when we wrote that song Um, so you know my my, obviously my dad was a big influence on my life spiritually and and musically and he was the first kidney dialysis patient in Dayton Ohio and he lived on dialysis for like 16 or 18 years oh wow little side note
0: So when 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 uh, that song when you wrote that song did you instantly know it was going to be successful and have the impact that it did?
3: You know, you never know what kind of impact they're going to have. You just know what kind of impact they have on you. And right, and uh, you know, I felt like, <clears throat> um, you know, my first feeling was I hope Lone Star records this after <laughs> we wrote it and uh they did obviously all we did was a piano vocal on the song and uh i loved the song and you know it was moving to me and right and i knew that you know that's that's the making of a hit song is when it moves moves you emotionally Mm
1: -hmm. and so it was the bmi country song of the year um Uh not only did it resonate with fans but um You know,
3: it 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 was also nominated for uh, also nominated for CMA Song of the year.
1: Wow. So, I mean, that that must be very um, gratifying to you to um, have that recognition as well.
3: Oh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's very cool when your peers recognize you.
1: Sure. Um, so you also have my front porch looking in. Um, with yep. Star. That's so,
3: yeah, that's up tempo. That's an up tempo, sappy song.
1: I know, so um, yeah. I wanted to mention that one too. Um, you just call me, it,
3: you just start calling me sappy pappy.
1: A <laughs> map um, that's the title of the episode, yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, <it> <laughs> Uh, that's funny. So, uh, no, so uh we were uh, we were out we were at Richie's house uh he lived in Gordonsville, Tennessee, about an hour away from my house, going towards Knoxville. And uh Don Firmer and I went out to his house and uh it's a long story, I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but he had a house uh overlooking this beautiful view. And we were out there on the porch looking at the view. Uh Richie and I was, and I kept telling Richie, man this is very inspirational there's got to be there's got to be a, a song on this front porch or a song title and don was looking through the picture window at the kids playing in the house laughing at him. and he said well it ain't as good as the view looking in and when he said that we just all looked at each other and we knew we had something to write about wow. my front porch looking in and and don uh, god rest his soul was a great lyricist that he didn't play an instrument, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, but was a great storyteller and a great lyricist and really helped me become a better lyricist. And, and we ended up writing it a couple of days later I, in Nashville at his office. And I showed up first and I came in and he already had the first verse and chorus written lyrically, pretty mm-hmm. much the way it is now. Took my guitar and sat down and started reading the lyric. And as I started reading the lyric, then I started hearing this melody And I came up with the melody, and when Richie showed up, I sang him the first verse and chorus of My Front Porch, Looking In. Hmm. Cool. And it became a big number one hit for for Long Star. Yeah, for sure.
1: So, um, you know, moving beyond those sappy songs, whether (laughs) up-tempo or...
3: And I, I don't, you know, I think sappy, you you know, you might want to think about the words you choose. You know, writing is part of choosing the correct words as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't think sappy applies to them already there.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, You know, I mean, I kind of see it in still that way because because it it is a connection of uh, of two feelings you know of, i
3: think i think you i think what you should call it is classic there you go <laughs> but that's well, what it is it's a classic song now
1: oh it's definitely classic that <laughs>
3: yeah for sure
1: yeah um and, and you know so it seems like a lot of your songs are are classic songs um yeah <clears throat> You know, you're still going to have these duets uh, at weddings. You're still going to have...
3: Oh, um, yeah. I've been very blessed with these songs, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. They, they've stood the test of time, which is, a, you know, what a classic does. So, uh, what projects do you have going on? Um, you know, what are your recent projects?
3: Well, uh, you know, I'm doing... since I have a YouTube channel, I've, I've got to put some videos on it. So, I started... I wrote a song last year, I actually wrote it right before COVID hit called God's Got This, and um, I actually wrote it with Richie, and um, when COVID hit, I thought, you know what, people need to hear this message because of everything that's going on, and it's, it's a message that people need to hear all the time anyway, be, because of things that we go through, uh, you know, people dying, uh, people going through divorces, uh, people finding out they have cancer just there's so many things that go on in uh, people's lives that uh, that we can't control uh and truthfully uh we really don't control our lives we make decisions that affect our lives but I believe that God's always in control and that uh, and people need to realize when they uh, and, instead of just stressing and and worrying so much, if they can just let it go and put it in God's hands and realize God's got this and things are going to work out the way he wants them to. Once you do that, everything, you know, the stress falls away. So anyway, I recorded God's Got This and did a video and put it out and on my uh, Frank Myers uh, YouTube channel. It was on a bunch of other uh, video programs uh, a year ago when it was out. And, of course, you can also see it on uh, my uh, Spotify uh, channel, um, along with a record that I did called um, Scrapbook the Acoustic Sessions, and they're acoustic, pretty much acoustic versions of all my hits that I've done. And actually, Crystal Gale sang You and I with me on on the project. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, leads us up to the Christmas song that I'm going to release this year. It was written 15 or 20 years ago, actually, and it's called If Every Day Could Be Christmas. Uh, 98 Degrees put it on their Christmas record. Uh, Lone Star put it on their Christmas record. I produced the version on Richie McDonald's solo Christmas record. but No one ever put it out. They would always come with the Christmas song or Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas or one of those, you know. And when we wrote the song, we we were trying to write a new classic-sounding Christmas song. So my buddy Jimmy Nichols and I, who's here with me today, a great keyboard player, we recorded this at his house. He played piano. I didn't even put any guitars on it. It was just piano, bass. We sent it to a drummer that put some drums with brushes on. And then I played percussion on it, just a shaker, tambourine, some bells, And then we recorded a live string section with it because I wanted to just to have that uh, classic vibe to it. And it's called If Every Day Could Be Christmas. And we shot a video and it's coming out, uh, I believe, October 3rd is a pre-save date that you'll be able to get it on Spotify. And then the video will be coming out uh, shortly.
1: Great. So that's, have yeah. you
3: have, have you heard the song?
1: Um, I, I have, actually. I believe yes, I... It's a,
3: uh, I'm sure you're going to call it a sappy Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Uh, truthfully, when we wrote it, If Every Day Could Be Christmas, you know, there's so much... There's so many things going on in the world. There's so much craziness in the world. Uh, so much hate and so much... Uh, well you know you, you you see what's going on in the world so it's like you know when christmas time rolls around for the most part i know christmas is hard for some people but for the most part people you know
1: unite get, it,
3: get into get into more of a loving feeling you know they're more giving to charity they're more loving they're it's just a loving time of the year because of what it is and if we could carry that feeling year round I don't think we'd have the problems in the world that we have so um, that's why I wanted to bring attention to the song not so much me even though I'm the one doing it but uh, the video's great and hopefully it'll, it'll become a new Christmas classic and maybe a Tony Bennett or somebody will do it too there
1: you go Do you find that it it means something um, more special to you now than when you wrote it? uh, You know, because of the things in the world going on right now.
3: Well, I mean, there's always been things going on in the world.
1: Um, Hard to talk, and we
3: and we've always had the, the same problems that we have today, but. They're just worse and, and multiplied today.
1: Yeah. So how um, what's the feeling like of you recording your songs again versus um someone else? Oh,
3: oh, it's it's just it's natural for me because I'm a I'm a singer, entertainer, guitar player. That's what I started out doing.
1: Kind of your, I don't,
3: you know, I don't have a voice like Vince Gill or. Any of them, but you know, I think I'm a good singer, um, and uh, it, for me, it's all about the message and the song that I'm putting out there. That's why I'm. That's why I'm doing it. That's why I did God's Got This. Same reason.
1: Uh, you know, so you
3: really need to go check it out. I on, the, on the YouTube, yeah, well, and Spotify, and and uh, come join me at all those socials. And all you listeners out there, please come uh, come join and follow me on Spotify and and my YouTube channel and come friend me on Facebook. And it's always cool to meet new friends. And maybe I'll see you at a show somewhere.
1: Um. So do you like performing? We, we haven't really talked about that aspect a lot. Um, oh,
3: of course. I've done it all my life. It's all I've ever done. It's literally pretty much all I've ever done. And, uh, sure. I mean, I, I love, uh, again, it goes back to, uh, you know, the interaction with the people and, um, feeling that emotion from them and, uh, making people happy.
1: Well, and I think it would be nice, um, you know, to, because that's a great way for them to like, tell you what, what the song meant to them or, you know, they enjoyed your show. It, uh, it's just an instant feedback you don't always get. I guess some-
3: absolutely, yeah.
1: A solitary, um, at least until it's released. It's just in your mind or in your little room or whatever. Um, but in a show, you know, people can like instantly clap and you know interact with you, and you you get a. You, immediate feedback which is kind of cool. great right. yeah
3: yeah it's it's very cool and I, I i love doing it i love i love meeting the people after the show you know yeah. and a lot of them buy a CD, and i can sign it and make it personalize it to them and um take pictures with them that kind of thing and Gotta have a
1: puppy, you know. These days, like everybody has to have a picture because <laughs> social media, you know, you you want to show off that you. Well,
3: it, it just becomes more
1: personal. Yeah, it's just a great, yeah. great are, are thing.
3: You, are you doing
0: like uh, extensive touring now, or just you know shows here and no. there
2: kind of thing?
3: I mean, September is really busy. I'm going to be. I'm in Kansas City today. flat uh, home tomorrow. And then Tuesday, I fly down to Fort Myers for the Island Hopper Songwriter Festival.
2: Awesome! But
3: you can look that up. You can look that up online. It's a really cool two-week deal uh, on Captiva, uh, downtown Fort Myers, and Fort Myers Beach. It's an awesome thing, oh, and so... people come from all over the country to it.
0: So, we're supposed to feel sorry that you're going to spend two weeks in
3: Florida. <laughs> I'm not going to be sitting two weeks. It already started. It started. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. It's Thursday night. Yeah. Okay, cool. They're, they're, on, they're in Captiva right now. Tuesday, I fly down. I play Tuesday night and Wednesday night in downtown Fort Myers at a couple of different places. And then I go over to Fort Myers Beach Thursday, which I actually have off. And then I play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on Fort Myers Beach at different places. And then fly back uh, Monday. Awesome. And then I'm pretty much done. Uh, I got uh, just a couple more shows. So it isn't like I'm just doing a, a ton. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy I'd, I'd love to get some more work. It'd be nice to do a couple of, a month or so. Right. But it's not like I'm out there all the time. I don't want to be out there all the time. Right. I did that for 18 years. <laughs> right. So are you constantly writing these days or? No. Okay. I'm not writing much at all, actually. Okay. I'm mainly just doing this and work. I'm working on, uh, you know, I've been working on this Christmas thing. It's taking a lot of work. And before that, God's got this. And those things take a lot of time to work. And uh, I really, I don't need to write another song. If (laughs) I'm inspired to write, if I'm inspired to write something, then I will. And that's really the only way I want to do it uh, because I just don't want to sit down and bang my head against the wall.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. Well, what are we going to write? You know what I'm saying? Just kind of look at each other because like I said, you got to be prepared in those situations. And no, if I, if I get, get into, I have things actually, you know, in my voice memos, some things that I've started
2: mm-hmm.
3: that I'll go back and look at. And, uh, but, uh, uh, I really like it when something hits me and it just really inspires me and I know I have to write this. Yeah, You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah. I've written so many songs in my career, there's not too much that I haven't written about.
0: Yeah, so finding new topics or,
3: you know... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I so, got it. And just so you know, I just got a few minutes left here.
2: Okay.
1: Okay, so uh, do you have any, like, words <laughs> of encouragement for uh, young performers out there who may uh, feel like this is a career path that they're um, destined for? What would you suggest yeah. for them?
3: I would suggest practice every day. Um, if you're if you play guitar or whatever, if you just want to be a musician, you know you just got to work on your instrument and practice every day and get as good as you can because the competition is incredibly hard. Mm. Uh, if you're a songwriter, you need to write every day. Um, you need to not get discouraged. You need to fight through uh, the depressive side of not seeing anything happen with, with, your, with your music. Um, you need to write with people, if you're a writer, that are better than you that you can learn from. And truthfully, even if someone isn't better than you, you there's probably something you might be able to take from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to network and meet people and get involved and you need to put God first in your life and let him lead your life put it in his hands because uh, you may think this is your career path and it may lead you to something else that is your true career path you just don't know but uh, God's always in control let him be in control Uh, and just work hard and work every day
1: Sounds like good advice. So, uh, and Frank, before we end this interview, I know you're probably thinking like, well, you know, why haven't um, they brought up like one of my uh, probably greatest songs uh, or most successful songs. And um, I'm going to bring that up now to you. Uh, I have saved, I swear, uh, for the end because it's a personal favorite. Uh, you know, I, I think whether whether you like um, All for One version or John Michael Montgomery's version or you singing it. You know, it's a classic song that um, I'm sure has been played uh, at weddings and, you know, all kinds of uh, sappy and non-sappy occasions. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know. I swear, um, God. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody might be swearing, but <laughs> it's over. Um, but you know Frank, um you know, tell us that I mean, how successful is that song for you?
3: You know it was it was a four week number one song for John Michael Montgomery. It was an eleven week number one song for all for one on the pop charts. And then uh, it's been in a bunch of movies. That's right, yeah. It's in the commercials right now that are out, the, a Game Swings yep. commercial that's out right now, and a, an Xbox commercial. And, um, and uh, of course, the biggest movie it was in is Despicable Me, too, where, where the Minions sang the song at the end of, of the end of it. Ah. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so blessed by that song. It took five uh. years and two demos. And me pitching it to John Michael Montgomery three times before he recorded it. So there's a lot more to the story wow. than that. But I just wanted to add that wow. before we hang out.
0: We would like to invite you back anytime. Absolutely. Um, you know. Uh, All right. Great we'll deal. Talk about whatever you want.
1: I want to thank you so much for being our guest today and telling us the backstories of some of your um, songs and of your career. It's um, it's been great hearing. How some of these came to be, and when I hear them, I'll always be thinking of the backstories now. So,
3: perfect. Well, I appreciate your time. It's it's nice, uh, nice meeting both of you, and I hope to meet you in person sometime.
1: Yes, likewise.
3: We all take care and have a
1: have a great Saturday and Sunday this
3: weekend, and uh hope to see you sometime in the future. God bless y'all, and and and, uh, God bless all you listening to this. Thank you so much.
0: As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at irateplease right, at Outlook.com, or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com, or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.